Hi, I'm Edric, and welcome to the Epic Podcast, where anybody can inspire everybody. In the past episodes, we've interviewed more than 40 founders, CEOs, and professionals from around Asia, and they've shared their experiences and what it takes to run a business and be in leadership positions. This season, it's going to be a little different. I'd like to bring you on a journey with me where I'll share some personal experiences and also peers and experts to dissect them, only for us to find out what we could have done to make it a lot better. This season is all about identifying how we learn through experience and really bringing light to these learning opportunities. You know, I I don't really like to talk about myself much. However, for this season, part of my own story will be shared in greater detail. The aim of the podcast has always stemmed from this, to share as much of our learnings through experiences and mistakes, and the beauty of it all lies in the various iterations of our errors, no matter how small. Today's episode is about the difference a plan can make in the early part of your career. We've all heard from our parents, seniors, and perhaps even books, if you're into them, right? About knowing what you want to do. Some people get it really early. We've met them. Some change their minds halfway, like me, and some don't get it at all, also like me. I just didn't get it. At the tender age of 19, after receiving my diploma in mechanical engineering from Singapore Polytechnic, it wasn't before long before I committed into a two and a half year relationship with the Army, aka National Service. It was here that this story begins. During basic training, or BMT, I was offered an opportunity to create a career in the army. The recruitment officer talked about career progression, opportunities to explore different areas of field, admin training, and potentially even a scholarship. I was sold. But I've always been a bit of a dreamer. I only heard the good stuff, and my mind simply wandered into a dream state where I was like Stallone in Rambo, you know, or Schwarzenegger in Commando. Hey, I'm a child of the 80s. You better not be judging me right now. Anyway, back to the point. I wanted to handle weapons. The bigger, the better. The biggest guns possible. So I asked them, which ones would you allow me to handle? And uh, which jobs, you know, gave me the opportunity to handle all the weapons? and I got armament tech, a specialist route. A week later, the recruitment officer called me in for a quick meeting and placed another offer on the table. How about a three-year contract along with training in officer cadet school? Did this mean that I couldn't be like Rambo and fire all sorts of weapons? I asked. Oh, you'll get weapons training, but with your education and profile, you could uh, potentially qualify as an officer, provided you get through the training. So I brought the contract home, spoke to my parents, and uh, mulled over it for a while. Eventually, you know, I decided to take it. The deal, right, here was 14 grand, half when you complete officer cadet school, and the other half when you complete your contract. Pretty good deal, right? So all I needed to do was train become an officer, finish three years from there, and take home a total of 14 grand on top of all the other salaries and bonuses that came in. 
financially it was great. However, you do notice this though. I had no plan, no idea what to expect and not even the fuzziest of ideas of what it was going to take to do well for myself. Fast forward to Officer Cadet School, School of Combat Engineers. I meet my fellow trainee and army regular to be, Sean. Now, Sean's a little different. He's fitter, studies the materials, leads well and commissioned with the sword of honor. That's the top graduate of our cohort. I asked Sean to join this podcast to tell us a bit more about his experience and look into his mindset in the past and what drove him to do his absolute best during that time as opposed to me. Well, here's Sean. Currently, I'm in an L&D role in the financial sector. I was an ex-regular in the army, serving for a total of about 13 years. We got enlisted in 2003, if I'm not wrong, right? So I left the force in 2016, so that's about 13 years. And I decided to leave to pursue my passion in learning and development. And uh, like you mentioned, right, we were both around 19 or 20, um, uh, you know, at the time to get into the army. Um, I My reason for joining the army was pretty much because the benefits were quite okay. There was a good paycheck at that age and I didn't really know what to do after school. So what's your excuse for joining the army or what was your reason for joining the army? Actually, I'm not too, not too different from you too. So at that point in time, I did not have any plan for, for myself. I leave each day as it passed. So I thought to myself, since I have to serve two and a half years, why not just sign on? Because at that time, they offered um, me only a three-year contract. So calculating the uh, years, years of service, you know, I think it's just an additional year. So it's about three and a half years. So compared to two and a half years, I thought, you know, why not? Let's just sign on. And since the difference is so little, let's just do it. Um, the other reason that I signed on was also because I came from a uniform group uh, back in my secondary school days, uh, which I continued to serve during my tertiary education. So that gave me a good foundation to adapt into the army. So I was thinking, you know, going through the training in a BMT and then in OCS, you know, it, I, I thought I could adapt to the lifestyle in the army. So, so why not? You know, for someone who was happy-go-lucky, as what you're saying, how in the world did you end up, right, uh, going through all the training and go getting top of your class? In other words, you, you, you got the Sword of Honor, right, under the engineer banner. Uh, did you have some aspirations during the training to become the top of the class? Or did you just... Don't tell me it's just dumb luck because then that's just not fair to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it's not uh, just gliding through the training. Um, I guess it's about try, trying to do the best that I could given that I had some background, you know, in drills, in regimentation. Um, I felt those were quite fitting for me. Um, well, I did not go in with the intention to become the top but the mentality that i had then was just to do the best that i could if i managed to get anything out of it 
Right? To me, it's like a bonus. And did that develop along the way? Because to be honest, right, I honestly do think that through top of the class, now, now that I look back, there were certain points, right, whereby at the start of our training, you were like still kind of happy-go-lucky, a little quieter. But as we began to get deeper into the training, somehow or rather you upped your game more and more. And that's why you began to shine. I think I, I did not aim for this sort of honor position. But I was telling myself, you know, if I could get sort of married, I think that's good enough. Um, so definitely it came in, into my line of sight um, along the way that I hoped to at least get an SOM. And if I were gotten an SOH, that's a bonus. But you do notice that you mentioned something about um, that it came into your line of sight and somehow or other that hooked you onto it, right? So that's really interesting. You saw that it was within your grasp. You decided to go. And um, was, there, was there a point whereby you extended yourself a little bit further? You stretched yourself a bit further and you go, hey, I could really get this. I think towards the end, I remember there was a, uh, a test. It came out of the blue. I was called up one day to go through some form of proposal planning. I think that was towards the tail end of our professional term. Um, but it's not everyone that got to do that. Uh, and we were told to plan something to revamp a certain room for a certain purpose, like a library or a reading room kind of thing. It was at that point in time that I thought that, hey, not everyone got selected to do this activity. And I've been put to the test to probably test about my planning skills and my conceptualization skills. Um, and I thought that was then that, okay, good. I've got a shot at it. And, you know, let's, let's do it again. Right? Put in the best effort. And hopefully this brings me um, some achievements at the end of the day. Sean and I continue to talk more about the differences between his journey and mine. With his making much more progress, because he had somewhat of a goal in sight. Something that was of particular interest during this conversation was when Sean said that he had the drive, but didn't have the intention. That phrase struck a chord in me, for it seemed to me that drive meant the sheer will and determination, while intention is setting the specifics of the goal. So if I may define what intention was uh, or is, is my intention was not specific that in that I'm not, I was not aiming specifically to get the sort of honor position and not working backwards on how to get it. I just went with the flow, did my best, right? So that's the drive part. I had a drive to do well. I hope to get something good out of it, out of it but I was not specifically intentional. Um, if I were looking back on hindsight, if I were intentional, more intentional back then, I would have studied you know, and planned out what were the criteria to get the sort of honor and then work backwards and strive intentionally um, at each milestone in order to get the, to meet all the criteria and get a better shot at getting the sort of honor. So that's 
what I mean by uh, define as intention. I was not specifically intentional back then. Hmm. Drive and intention, i.e. eye of the tiger and eyes on the prize. So how does someone get more intentional about their goals? With 13 years of service in the army and having a wealth of information from other commanders within his reach, I was sure that Sean would have picked up a thing or two, but he tells a different story. I struggled, frankly, I struggled to find out how to get to the end state. But this intentional planning, I only learned it after I joined the private sector. Uh, but towards the end of my army career, I kind of sort of um, was looking at planning towards um, securing an active CEO ship, right? And we know that for active CEO ship, you have to meet certain performance and potential requirements. So in a nutshell, I was just trying to strive towards achieving and meeting these two criteria performance and potential. What I did not do so well was break down what was required of me to meet those requirements. So today, and moving on into the private sector, and when I did that private sector transition, the career transition from public sector in the army to a HR role in the private sector, I learned that there were a lot more details than I had to um, look into and specifically what are the competencies that I needed to demonstrate, learn and demonstrate in order to get that job. If I had knew that earlier in my career, in the army career, I would have been much more intentional, more specifically intentional, so to speak. That's a great point because uh, I love the what if game and what we could have done, not so much about uh, reminiscing on our failures, but learning from uh, those errors, right? So we can make it better. Looking back, if let's say, for example, 13 years of a career, how would you have done it differently? If let's say, for example, you knew what you know now, and what do you think you would have achieved? Now, we went through OCS together, and probably you went through some advanced courses as well. And during all these um, leadership milestones program, um, I believe you have been exposed to the SEF leadership competencies, right? So looking back, if I could change and, and turn, turn back time, I would have looked at those leadership competencies with, with a lot more thought. If I wanted to build myself in certain aspects of the leadership competencies, I would have to, to plan what would I have to do or get myself exposed in, in order to build some of these competencies that I'm lacking in. Sean goes on to share more about his interests in HR. He proceeds to take up a degree and when he returned to service, he puts up requests to gain experience in the manpower side of the armed forces. He emphasizes on how he was intentional about this process, the importance of having the dual track in his army career. Key points here were that he was intentional 
and he made the necessary plans and actions to get there, such as knowing the competencies required for the role, who to speak with, and the procedure to getting the position. As he reached the end of his military career, he worried about entering the private sector, the culture, the people, and communication. What more should we prepare for if we're changing careers or industries? How can we be intentional about something that's unknown to us? Well, I'm not sure about you. For me, when I transited out, the first thing was the culture. The culture in the SCF versus the private sector, vastly different, 180 degrees change in terms of the people that you deal with, the, even the culture of dealing with people, it's totally different. So be ready for that. Be ready to totally jettison the culture in the army. Uh, it's, it's, it's the biggest shock for me. In a first, it took me almost a year to adapt to that. To, to be a civilian. To be a civilian, yeah. Or to deal with civilians. <laughs> Okay, yeah, that, that's a different thing, right? Yeah. Looking back, my, my own personal career, if I, I actually wanted to do a lot of humanitarian work. When I was posted to the unit, I really wanted that light blue beret, that baby blue beret. Mm. I really wanted to have a UN badge uh, purely because I wanted to be something that was bigger than me. Mm. I wanted to be part of something, sorry, that was bigger than me. Um, but again, the intention was there, but somehow or other the drive to and resourcefulness i did not ask questions i did not ask how can i get become be a part of this yeah what like what you said what's the criteria to get all of this yeah so uh, out of all of this right we're, we're talking about it the important thing is have a plan get your facts right and know your resources and don't be afraid to ask around i that's, that's right. so that's important right, right? Yeah. i i agree yeah. with you um I think I did not ask, I did not dare to ask and put the demands out. Do you also think that it's possibly because we weren't in a culture that uh, encouraged you to ask questions? Because to be honest, if you ask, there were good questions and there were stupid questions. 80% of the time, <laughs> it always was put across, or at least to me, it felt like I was asking a stupid question. I don't think so. Um, really depends on the CO or the, the brigade commander that you have. And it depends on the leader. So it is kind of um, you know, luck, right? Well, which, which unit you get posted to and what leader comes, uh, <clears throat> comes across your career path. So in... My experience, uh, I had good leaders um, that came along. And if you ask, I, I don't think any one of them would be um, closed to me approaching them and being specific about my wants. <clears throat> now, looking, again, looking back, right? If I could have done better, would be to be more specific about my end outcomes that I wanted to achieve and have that mm. frank conversation with my manager. Um, back then, I did not do that. Maybe it's because typical Asian culture, we, we just do our best, you know, 
we or the maybe it is the army culture and you get a mission you get some asked to do something you don't ask why you ask how ask how high right you ask you to jump you jump yeah. ask you ask how high how high so i think that is that a bit of that culture playing playing a part there um so if i could be a bit braver and and approach candidly look i intend to reach here reach this position this or reach this rank by a certain age what does it take for me to get there um i think these conversations are very important to have with your managers whether it's in the, in the army or in the private sector uh, i benefited from that because i when i transited i have i had a mentor today she's still my mentor and she helped me out in this if i told i told her and had the conversations with her about what what my desired career path would look like what, in fact what my desired end state would look like she would help me um and guide me through the the paths the, the learnings that i need the different exposures and experiences that i need in order to get there so if you have a manager have a mentor that you can that you can um trust and have a very frank and open conversation with have that i think that's very useful shawn brought up quite a number of good points about learning from others being open to asking questions and constantly seeking rather than waiting after recording this podcast speaking with shawn sure brought back a lot of memories during that time in my life I had left service feeling that I wasn't cut out for the army. That I was being pushed aside and didn't have the opportunities laid out in front of me. Yeah, I know. Uh, sounds pretty entitled, right? In retrospect, if I had a plan, a vision, and did some homework about what was required to get ahead, perhaps this story may have turned out different. But the past is the past and all we can do now is apply this knowledge to get where we need to be in our lives. Today, such information on planning, asking questions deeply rooted with intention and acting on them with drive will aid in tomorrow's success. I hope that this podcast has given you some food for thought. Thanks for tuning in everyone. This has been the Epic Podcast with me, Edric. Stay epic everyone.